I want to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to lead into why I'm going to tell you the story. A couple months ago, I walked outside of my condo. My truck's parked outside, and I have that moment we probably have all experienced, or maybe some of us. As I'm walking towards my truck, I realize I can see right through it. There should be windows there. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. There's glass everywhere. I have this sinking feeling. And then I open up the back of the truck and realize I drive an old truck, so I carry a lot of tools. Those are gone. More importantly, I have thousands of dollars in body armor that I use for dirt biking so that I can come here on Sundays without broken limbs. Gone. Gone. That means no dirt biking. That means no mental health for Vince. I'm not happy. Right now, we're in a worldwide shortage of motorcycle stuff. So not only have I lost all my stuff, you can't get this stuff. So I call my favorite motorcycle supply place, GW Cycle. Big shout out to Trudy and the gang. If you need motorcycle parts, go there. I call up Trudy. I'm on a first name basis with her. She's like, hey, Vince. She knows me by name. I'm like, do you have boots for me? Because everything else I can figure out. If you can just get me boots, I don't have to take the rest of the summer off. She's like, yeah, I got boots for you. So I roll in there. Now, folks, just to put this into context, if you want a dirt bike like I do and you want to wear body armor, these boots are not cheap. We're talking many hundreds of dollars for a pair of motocross boots. So I walk in there. Again, mental health. I'm like, whatever it costs, I will pay it. I don't care. Insurance will deal with it. I walk in. No, lo and behold, they have the boots I have. And I go to the cash register to pay. And she says, it's taken care of. Now, you know me, I swear a lot. And I was like, what the? <laughs> She's like, the dirt Muppets took care of it. Part of a group of guys who dirt bike, we call ourselves the dirt Muppets. They found out that my gear got stolen. They pulled together their money. And they called GW and said, hey, when he comes to buy a gear, we'll take care of it. I was blown away. I'm still blown away. These are the roughest, crustiest, dirtiest, <laughs> make fun of each other guys you've ever met. It's all guys. It's a big, crazy party. But man, when you feel the connection, when you feel the support of a group, you realize that people in your life matter. Now, here's my question for you. How are your groups doing in your life? I don't feel like I earned that one. Somehow, by some luck, I was taken care of. But I think every one of us needs to do an inventory now as we come out of COVID. What do my groups look like? Are they strong? If one of my buddies got all their motorcycle gear stolen, would I know about it? Would I be able to do something about it? Or am I kind of doing the lone wolf thing? Now, folks, we have a value here that says you're all on a unique spiritual journey. I'm on a unique spiritual journey. My journey doesn't look anything like yours. Otherwise, I'd tell you all to go dirt biking. Join the dirt muppets. Everything will be fine. I don't know what your groups look like. I don't know how many you need. I don't know how many you have. You might be way overwhelmed with people in your life. Great. Just ignore this. 
But if you need to build some connection, if that's where you are right now, if you need a Dirt Muppet group, we're starting a bunch of groups here. Now again, unique spiritual journey, we don't want you to live your life in the church, but if that's what you need, go online, friendchurch.ca slash groups, sign up, we have some amazing groups coming. If you wanna build your own group, give Jeff an email, say, hey look, I'm gonna start a group on dirt biking. Kevin, can I get a shout out? Yeah, we already got one guy in the group. Okay, folks, friendchurch.ca slash groups. Love to see you there. Hey, good morning. My name is Kelty, and this is a part of our service that we call charitable giving. So it's an opportunity for me to either share with you for the first time or remind you um, that we are, as an organization, a self-funded organization. And so we rely on the generosity of this community to help us be able to do things like put on Sunday services, um, go out into the community, help the community. So if you are not yet signed up for pre-authorized giving or you'd like to give on a one-time basis, you can do those things through our app. I know if one of the benefits of pre-authorized giving is you kind of set it and forget it. One of the downsides is you kind of forget it. And so if you haven't taken a look at your pre-authorized giving in a while and want to just remind yourself what level, what you're giving, maybe there's an opportunity, um, things have changed in your life and you might be able to increase your donation, I would welcome that. Um, take a look at the app, see what that looks like. And there's also a black box at the back if you're here in person. The other part of my job this morning is to let you know about some things that are coming up. So Vince um, did a great job of teeing up the idea of groups. If full groups is a little bit scary for you, and you want to just put your toe in the water, we've got some great things that are coming that you can get connection without having to commit to a full group. So this afternoon after the service, we are having our I didn't, welcome back lunch, we'll call it, um, just outside. Even if you're not here in person because you're not quite comfortable yet being inside, come on down. We're going to have that all outside. It'll all happen in front of the church. And then next week, a similar event where we're doing our normal annual pathway cleanup. Again, even if you don't come to the service ahead of time, but you really do feel that need to connect and want to see some people in a different setting, come on down. We'll meet here right after the service. We'll create some groups and we'll head out, do some good for our community, pick up some garbage, have some laughs, um, and enjoy each other's company. I feel like the sun is just starting to peek through these windows this morning. So uh, sit here feeling the sun on your face, and uh, we'll let Jeff take it from here. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Kelty. Thank you. And good morning, everyone. Wow, this is feeling like a regular Sunday. Is it possible to say that? Like it's been a, a while, a minute, hot minute since we've had this going on. I was wheeling around here, getting everything kind of together, all, the, all of our volunteers are jumping in, getting this barbecue all set. That social hall is, the kids have taken over. It's awesome. So anyways, glad you're here this morning. Um, you know what I think? Let me tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what I think this morning. I think you're here tuning or tuning in today online because you want to experience a more spiritual life. That's what I think. Whatever that means to you. We all probably have an idea of what that means. I think when we got into this whole gig, we didn't have any clue. We just knew perhaps that we wanted something deeper and wider, something more meaningful, something that can fill out life. Because life in and of itself seems sometimes rather meaningless. But what does the spiritual life look like? What does the spiritual journey really involve? I think it's confusing. 
I think people have been a part of church for a long time and still are wondering what this thing is about. Maybe they're trying to understand it technically, theologically, trying to study, trying to figure out how this thing is supposed to work. I I think there's a lot of people trying to do that. But you know what I think? I think most of us have seen someone. You've heard of someone. Maybe it's someone that you knew personally who was living, it seems, a spiritual life. It was just the way that they were living was different than what you had watched before. The way that they treated other people, the way that they gave of themselves, the way that they, the principles they lived around. I don't know. I th- maybe it's someone you read about. Maybe it was Mother Teresa and what you know of her. Maybe it was the, the, the person of Jesus that you've heard about. I know when I was younger, for me, it was Mr. Klein. Now, if you've been around here a while, you probably heard me talk about him. I think I've mentioned, them in the, mentioned him in the past. He was my best friend's dad. Mr. Klein was probably the, maybe even to this day, one of the most influential people that I've had in my life. I was around 10 when I went over to Matt's place and met, met him, Mr. Klein. From the minute I met him, something just seemed so different. wasn't dismissing. He invited me in. He's like, you're staying for supper, Jeff. I, I, I was kind of taken back by it. He's like, what do you love? He was asking me all these questions. He's like, tell me about your family. I, uh, you know, my parents were divorced. So he was like, tell me about your dad. I said, well, I don't really see my dad too much. He's like, where does he live? He dove into my life. I remember that, that night coming home and being so excited to tell my mom about Mr. Klein. He, Mr. Klein was a great football player. He played for the Calgary Colts way back in the day. So we'd be out in the schoolyard playing football. He'd come out and play with us. I remember him one day teaching me how to throw a spiral. He just took such an interest in our lives. He, was, he worked in oil and gas, but on the weekends, he and his wife, Mrs. Klein, would jump into a yellow school bus and they would drive through Bowen-S, picking up kids and bringing them to the Sunday school of the church that we went to. Kids that didn't have parents that went to, to church. I'd see him pouring his life into these kids. Over the years, I don't know how many weekends I spent at the Klein's house. Um, totaled up, it would probably add up to maybe a year of nights, countless meals. Mr. Klein taught me how to file my taxes. Some people are just that impactful. You know, some people wear those WJD bracelets. You know, it's kind of past now. But I could have easily worn a WWMKD bracelet. What would Mr. Klein do? I watched this guy 
father his boys, Matt and Nate. And I learned so much. I watched him be a husband to Mrs. Klein, the way that he cared for her, the way that he stood up for her. So much of, I realize, the pattern I'm trying to live out in my life is something I've seen in him. Have you had that? Have you had someone in your life or someone that you knew of that you just went, that person is switched on. That is the example. I don't know what spirituality is technically, but I tell you, I think I know what it looks like. Something in me craves to live out my life in the way that he did because I know what a market left. And I'm guessing in some way, perhaps something like that is driving you to do what you're doing, getting out of bed and showing up here or turning on YouTube and watching this or plugging into the podcast and listening. Something in you is driving you to live a spiritual life. And maybe it is the example of someone. And maybe it's not even someone you knew, but it's just what you heard about that person. And you went, yeah. Yeah, that is it. But let's be honest. Okay, I'll be honest with you. The Mr. Klein I've wanted to emulate, and the person I've wanted to be, and who I actually am, any given day can look drastically different. It reminds me of one of the great American movie classics. You know which one I'm thinking about? (laughs) Yeah, Happy Gilmore. This, uh, oh, classic, classic. But there's a scene, and if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Happy's girlfriend Adam Sandler plays happy. His girlfriend meets him in the hallway. He's coming up into his apartment. She's leaving. Bags are packed. She says, I'm leaving, happy. He goes, no, wait, 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 where are you going? She says, I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired of this. You're going nowhere, and you're taking me with you. I'm out. She heads into the elevator. He goes running into his apartment, gets on the intercom. Remember this? Oh, it's such a classic. And, and so he's waiting for her, you know, he's kind of timing it as she gets down the elevator and she's going to be walking out the door. She's like, hey, baby, 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 don't leave. Don't leave. We can work this out. We can work this out. She says, happy. I ain't coming with you. You're going nowhere. All you ever do is talk about playing professional hockey and there's a problem. You ain't good. <laughs> he's listening to this. And all of a sudden, he's triggered, right? Oh, yeah? He says, well, you're a a lousy kindergarten teacher. I've seen the finger painting you bring home, and that sucks. (laughs) Just. And then all of a sudden, you can tell, he has one of those moments. What is that? Hey, baby, I'm so sorry. And he's, all of a sudden, his voice changes. He's like, oh, baby, I didn't mean that. It's all right. <laughs> Starts singing to her. Anyways, I won't go into it, but <laughs> that is probably a more p- typical picture of what ha- ends up happening inside of me. 
I, w- I want things to work out. And then all of a sudden I'm triggered. Ah! And I'm, I'm freaking out. And then it's like, oh, no, I didn't mean that, baby. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can de- get taken over in situations we can find ourselves doing and saying things or not doing or saying things that betray the kind of person we want to be. We can find ourselves asking later, how could I have been so mean? How could I have been so selfish in that moment? Why did I say no to them so that I could say yes to that? Come on. Travis, you're better than this. Have you ever felt like you've been caught in a bit of a pattern? A behavior that you hate it. In hindsight, you look at it, you go, <laughs> but if truth be told, you see yourself circling that wagon again and again. Oh, a little time might elapse, but then you, there you are again. You wanted to do the right thing. You wanted to be Mr. Klein. But when that time came, you found yourself sliding into that all-familiar pattern, steering your vehicle into that ditch. I've mentioned this before, but people-pleasing has been one of my most common ditches ever since I was young, my pattern that I can find myself falling into so automatically. I, something in my brain tells me that I need to focus on the needs of people around me. Sometimes they can be the most random people. If they need something, they ask me to do something, I have a hard time saying no. And I don't notice in the moment that I'm doing it. Sometimes it can even sound heroic and really kind and compassionate. But down deep, what I'm learning is that my brain has told me if I say no, that friendship is being jeopardized. These people may walk out of my life. They might think certain things about me. It's not care and compassion for them necessarily. It's a fear of losing love and approval. And it happens so naturally inside of me. I just do it automatically. Lately, I've noticed an offshoot of this. And it happens when I'm in a conversation with someone and they say something that I find offensive. They might be saying something about someone else that I love. or something that really isn't true. And inside, something down deep inside says, Jeff, don't pretend you didn't hear that. You can say something. But there's another part of me that is much stronger and more automatic. And you know what it makes me do? Ah, yeah, I know, I know. I just go along with it. 
and then later. <sighs> Hate myself for it. And I grow resentful to the person. And then all of a sudden, you know what? I find myself just want to distance myself from this person. It's so subtle, and I don't even notice it in the morning, but in, in the moment. But all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm ghosting this person because I don't like what they're about. They don't have a clue what's going on. Talk about an insidious little pattern. If I look back over my life, this pattern has been faithfully following me for a long time. It's a ditch I just steer into. Yeah, here we go. And then go, oh, I pull a happy, no, baby, I'm so happy to meet it. I'm just like, what am I doing? I may want to be Mr. Klein, but my tendencies take me in the opposite direction. Let me ask you something. What are your problematic patterns? Enough of my dirty laundry. Uh, just anyone, you want to stand up? Just tell us, go ahead. <laughs> oh, you have problematic patterns. Let's be clear. We all do. We all have ditches that we steer ourselves into. But do you know them? Some people, it's negativity. They can just find themselves ruminating on things that bother them. So there's often just out a natural outcropping is just complaining and whining about everything that they see, just bothering them, and it's just coming out. For some, it's, it's control. They need things done their way. So suddenly they can find themselves manipulating situations, people's choices and behavior. They can withhold love and appreciation. They can withhold affection, communicating subtly, you just chose wrong. For some, it's clingy. They just tend to latch onto someone because down deep, they don't even know it, but they're worried this person is going to leave them. So what do they do? They end up smothering. They're, they're just all over this person. The person's going, mm, please, little space here. And what do they do? They choke out the relationship. Oh, there's all kinds of patterns. Some are worriers. They're just constantly catastrophizing, thinking about the worst case scenarios. And it comes out. They can never celebrate where they are right now because it's, but what about this now? And it comes out. Some are selfish. It's the opposite of my people pleasing. They don't give a rip what people think. They're doing what they want to do. <clears throat> what do they want? Who cares? That's just their natural gear, and they don't even know it. Some are lazy, procrastinators. They just steer into that ditch. Ah, we'll do that later. Ah, no, I don't feel like it. Ah, you should call you. Nah. Some are perfectionists, overly critical and judgmental of themselves and other people. Oh, I could list all of our dirty laundry today. How about, hey? Maybe we could just have everyone stand when I hit yours, okay? Um, <laughs> how does that feel, huh? How does that feel? Yeah, that's what I'm feeling like almost every Sunday. Anyways, I digress. Do you have an idea what your most problematic pattern 
is. What is the thing that gets in the way of your spiritual journey? Now, I know, because I've spoken with many within our community, some of you have done a lot of work on this. Some of you are very aware of your patterns, but there are many who haven't. And even this morning, as I'm saying, we all have a problem pattern. We all have our ditches that we steer ourselves into. There's kind of this, don't tell me I have a ditch. There's some people, it's unsettling to think that perhaps you've had a pattern that everyone else can see and notice, but you haven't noticed yet. It's like that piece of lettuce caught in your teeth, only it's been there for about 42 years. (laughs) People are going, if you don't know what your problematic pattern is, let me help you. (laughs) Which four do you want to know about? (laughs) I want you to hear this. The spiritual journey is about understanding your patterns, your most natural tendencies to mess things up and manage them so that you can do the things you really, you can become the person you really want and believe you need to be. That is what we believe the spiritual journey is about. If you've known about your pattern and you've tried changing it, you're already likely aware of just how hard it is to change it. It's not the kind of thing that you just decide one day, that is it. I am not doing that ever again. I don't know why I'm going to share this, but it's funny. I, I have this thing, and I've always done this. I did it with my mom. I just like to squeeze her arm. Just squeeze. I don't know why, but I remember her going, hey, not so hard. Don't, you don't have to squeeze me that hard. And I do this with Kathy. I'll come up and give her a hug and then just squeeze her. And she goes, ow! And I go, oh, gee, I'm doing it. Sorry. That's weird. I know it sounds weird. It's not that weird. But it's annoying. It's annoying to her. Over my lifetime, we've been married 30 years now. Do you know how many times I've apologized to her for doing that? It's embarrassing. She's in the kitchen in the social right now. Don't ask her, but she would tell you it's millions. I, ah, I did it. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I did. And I try to get her laughing. Sometimes she's not laughing. She's just cringing. That's what the tendencies are like. Steering in again and again. These tendencies are so, can be so woven into our fabric. They're the product of beliefs and attitudes, fears, insecurities, habits and experiences that go back, some of us, most of us, to our young childhood. They get cooked in. They are so cooked in, it's the most instinctual thing to think the way they want you to think. 
to act the way they want you to act. Nothing could feel more natural than doing them. Unfortunately, though, if we let them have our way, have their way, it's just the opposite of Mr. Klein. It's the happy Gilmore. You know, Jesus, he did all this teaching. He was sitting down with this big group of people we read about in Matthew 7. He's warning them about their tendencies. He's mentioning all these different kinds of scenarios. He's going, it's easy to be judgmental, but don't be. I know it's natural for some of you, but don't do it. Just focus on the log in your own eye. Because where that leads, if you don't, is bad news. He's, he's doing all this different teaching, warning them about these tendencies. Then after it's all said and done, and you can just imagine, people are nodding, going, yes, that makes sense. Yes, I don't, I'm going to stop doing that. I do that. I don't know. And he's, he's, and you can see the crowd all going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, now listen to me. I have just told you some very important things. The person that hears what I've just said and goes and does them. It's like the person who builds a house on rock. That's the metaphor he uses. You're building your house on a foundation of rock. The winds will come. They'll blow. The water, the rain will pound. The floodwaters will rise, but your house will stand firm. That's what these principles, if you can act on them, if you can avoid your tendencies... That's what it's like. Now, he said, those of you who walk away hearing what I said and refuse to do them or don't do them, it's like building a house on sand. He's like, man, when those storms come, everything that you were hoping for, your dream of Mr. Klein, Jarvis, goes away. Those are sobering words, aren't they? Learning to see and manage these patterns and tendencies, Jesus is saying, is the journey. Do what you have to. Figure this thing out to avoid walking away from the plan, steering into the ditch. The good news is that we can actually, as hard as they are, as instinctual as they may be in your life, it is possible to break free, though. That's the good news. Isn't no bad news? We can learn to control our subconscious reactions and decision making. We're not robots. We're not just like automatically something tells us to do it. I can't stop myself. No, not completely. You're not sentenced to a life of frustrated hopes. The bad news is that it's just not easy to reprogram ourselves. It's not easy to make the tendencies less automatic and choose new tendencies that feel very natural. It's not easy. I've been learning this. I've been learning this through golf. One of, I believe, one of the most spiritual games out there. All right? (laughs) That wasn't meant to be funny. I expected everyone to say amen at that point. Okay. So anyways, I'm taking lessons. I told you this. I, I, I was determined. I'm going to up my game. I'm in there. And I get the swing evaluation. The instructor says, well, you don't have a terrible swing. And I took that as a compliment. I thought, I think there's probably not a lot he has to do here to tweak my game. 
senior tour isn't out of reach, you know? This pastor gig goes sideways. And so, <laughs> no, joking. So anyways, I, I, he, he says, I want you to just stand up there. I said, well, if it's not terrible, what would you do if I was to jump into lessons? He's like, well, just, just stand up there. Grab that club. So I'm standing. He says, well, I noticed when you're standing, your shoulders are kind of open to the target, so we'd want to move you back here. Your grip. Yeah, your grip. It, it, let's, let's get you moving this over and this over here like that. Yeah. Now, I noticed you hinge really quick. I want you to have big, wide takeaway. Oh, okay. All right. Is that it? No. Um, and then it's, it's your backswing. You get all wonky here, and you start coming over. I said, oh, so what would that look like? Well, I, this is what you So he's moving me around, you know? We spent half an hour talking about everything that was wrong with my swing. But I remember this one point, I was just like, okay, so you, but you're saying I got a chance. He said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but there was this one point, uh, one week, where I had been having trouble hitting my driver. He, he's like, okay, stand up to the ball. So I stand up to it. And he's like, stand up as you normally would. So at that time, I was kind of like, okay, here we go. How's that? He's like, No. Here's what I want you to do. And he began taking my shoulders and my body. And he says, I want this up here like this, that down. I said, okay. He's like, and this, over like this, okay. He says, and I want your weight a little bit further back. Uh, and he says, bend your knees. And yeah, now, and so anyways, <laughs> so he's, he's manipulating my body until finally he's like, no, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I said, right there? He's like, yeah, perfect. I'm going, there is no way this is perfect. I look like a moron. I would never do this on the golf course with all my buddies. And he says, Jeff, look up on the screen. And he has camera pointing this way and pointing this way. And it's all projected up onto this TV screen. And I'm looking, I'm going, holy crap. That looks normal. He's going, that is normal. I'm going, this is the biggest. That feels so contorted. He's like, it's natural. He's like, now what I need you to do is keep going to that position and retraining your mind. This is natural. That's not that. This is your new natural. Every day, I want you to get that and get into that position. Teach yourself. That's, that's, not, that's natural right there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was a big pill to swallow. I mean, I, I remember walking out of there going, I have been playing this game for 30 years, and I did not know what I looked, how bad that looked before. And that, this is a game, folks. This is the spiritual journey. It's learning to take what was originally natural and moving it into a whole new series of actions and going, oh, this is natural. Jeff, next time when that person says that thing, the natural thing is to say, buddy, I think that's a bit offside, don't you? And while my brain is saying, he's going to freak out, and all of a sudden he says, yeah, so you know what? That was my bad. I should have never said that. 
And on we go. I don't have to ghost him for the next week and a half. Just like, you mean that's what people have been doing all along? Mr. Klein, here I come. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could have cameras set up front and side in our everyday life and showing, here's your before, here's what you've been doing, Jeff, here's what you've been saying, here's what you've not been saying, and now, 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 over here, let's try this different. Watch the cameras, watch what happens, watch their reaction. look. Wouldn't that be amazing? Good news. You got it built into you. The technology exists and it's already inside of you. You want to know why? You want to know how? It's called self-awareness. Self-awareness. It's something that's unique to humanity. It's this ability that we have in the moment, whatever it is we're doing, to be able to, in our minds, step out of the picture. Have you ever done this? And go, whoa, Jeff, you are freaking out right now. Stop. Do you see how insane this is? Why are you getting so upset about that? You may not have had many of these moments, but they happen. And they can happen more regularly. You have the technology. Remember one guy talking about it. It's like like a movie theater. You walk into IMAX, Chinook. Shout out, Sean runs IMAX, Chinook. You walk into there, into that big theater. Massive screen. The music starts, the lights go down. The sounds, and the the storyline starts. And man, before long. We get sucked into the story, don't we? Someone starts crying, and what are we doing? <laughs> We're feeling emotional. All of a sudden, music changes. Dun, 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 dun. Our heart starts racing. We're freaked out too. But then the moment comes when the movie's over. The lights come on, and you go, oh, yeah, I'm in Chinook. Holy. Whoa. <laughs> and you look to the person who you came with, and you go, was that not a trip? Woo! That was amazing. It was an experience that became all-consuming. That's what life does to us. It sucks us in. We become identified with everything that's going on. In that moment, happy you're going nowhere. Oh, yeah? Well, you suck. Boom. We are caught right in that moment when in actuality you have the ability in that moment to realize, no, 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 you're not in the movie. You're the one watching the movie. You're sitting in the theater. Flick on the lights. All of a sudden the lights come on. You're not even feeling what you're feeling a second ago. It's like, I'm hungry. You want a bite? It's like over. Self-awareness is that ability to be able to flick on the lights in the theater and go, wait, you're just in the theater. You're not in the movie. The problem happens when we become too identified with our thoughts, our thinking, our compulsive mind and our emotions. When what we're feeling and thinking in any given moment becomes a reality, we trust it more than anything else. 
our ability, self-awareness, the cameras up on the walls, they say, hey, hey, back up, back up, back up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't trust what you're feeling right now. What you're about to say, your mind may want you to say that. Your psyche might be saying, react. Don't trust it. That's not what Mr. Klein would do. You want to do something else, don't do that. Is this making sense? Now, you, if you've done this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You felt those moments where you're going, oh, oh I want to say that. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to edit. I'm backing away. People who have done their work know how to flip, flick on the theater lights. They know how to step back and go, I'm just, I'm just watching this. I don't like where this is headed. Let's make a different choice than that one, Jeff. That one will get you in trouble. Interesting stat. They did a a massive survey. They found out that 95% of the population thinks they're self-aware. Well, of this study that they did. 95%. But in actuality, you know how many were actually self-aware? 10 to 15%. Heard one lady say, so that means on a good day, On a good day, 80% of us are lying to ourselves about whether we're lying to ourselves. (laughs) I'd like to believe that I'm self-aware. And maybe on a given moment, I can be. But most days, I move into autopilot. And the spiritual journey says, Jarvis, those days are over. If you want this thing to work, if you want to experience the life you believe you are called to live, you can't be living on autopilot a day after day. That's why this spiritual gym is designed to get you feeling, provoke you to thinking, provoke you to think deeply about why it is you're doing what you're doing. Think about the patterns. Notice the patterns. Because the more you can see them, and it starts with just seeing what the pattern has been. Where have I been? What have I, why have I always? And, and so it might be an, a week later that you go, oh, I see what I'm doing. Oh, I got to stop doing that. To then two days later, oh, I did it again on Friday. To that night going, oh, babe, I'm sorry. This morning, I said something that was offside. Don't want to be that. To the moment where all of a sudden you're about to unleash into the intercom and you go, oh, 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 no, that's the old happy. The new one isn't doing this. Oh, spiritual ninjas do this stuff. That's the game, folks. Yeah. We develop this attention muscle. It's a muscle that's just paying close attention to what we're thinking and feeling at any given moment. A lot of different ways we can develop that attention muscle. Some have used meditation very effectively. Why? Because meditation requires that you turn off your mind, your thinker, 
and just focus on other, something else. Anything that slows the compulsive thinking of your mind is gold when it comes to developing your tension muscle. Yoga can be amazing. Journaling. Silence. Just breath work. Oh, man, on and on. You pick, pick your different things. What's so cool is that if we practice, if we develop this muscle enough, it's like my golf swing. All of a sudden, it starts feeling more and more natural. You step up and you do the thing that you never would have done before. All of a sudden, you do it, and it works, and you go, what's happening? Neural pathways are being forged. There, all of a sudden, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> I never thought it was possible for me to not get upset when that person says that thing. Family dinners were always a train wreck. Not anymore. I glide over those things now. This has been the story of some of your lives and we've watched the journey as you've climbed mountaintops, as you've re-altered, shaped your life, become something else and you have friends, people going, what the hell are you doing? Because you just seem different. You're so calm now. You're so focused now. You're so patient now. I'm going to close. I wanted to close with a song. I asked Alessandra. I was going, man, I'd love to just close with a song to get people focusing, just thinking deeply about their patterns. Um, to just kind of step back at 50,000 feet looking over their lives and be able to maybe spot some of these problematic patterns that have been following them. You, what do you got? Oh, she came back with a goodie. So here's what I'm going to do. To a little you two, I'm going to ask you to sit back. You can enjoy the music, but not too much because you've got some work to do. I want you to think back over the problematic patterns that have been following you. And maybe if what I'm talking about this morning resonates for you, maybe you're like that crowd that was listening to Jesus going, yeah, yeah, say it. That's right. That's right. Why don't, you, why don't we all determine this morning to be the wise man that built their house on the rock? Saying, I want to make good on this. I want to learn how to uproot some of these tendencies. So once you do that, as the band plays, I'll join you in a second. Thanks, you guys. Um, so look at um, let's wrap this up. Next week, uh, well, actually over the next three weeks, we're talking about three different levels of awareness. Next week, we're talking about I awareness. It's, it's, it's the me, the, it's the you, who you are, your personality, your wiring, your tendencies, uh, all, all this stuff. It's important that you understand it and who it is that you need to be or want to be at your best. The following week, we're talking about they awareness. Those are the people in your life, all the people around you that you'll come in contact, you'll work with, you'll live beside. Being able to grow aware of what they're needing from you, another big part of it. The final week, we're going to talk about we awareness, that magic moment, talking black belt spirituality, when we are able to merge I with they to form this beautiful we. Man, I tell you, gold. Over the next three weeks. Yeah, I tell you, we're, we're giving this stuff out for free. It's amazing. Look at, if you really would like to do some work on this, that you got to check out this book. It's, it's 
fairly new, uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera, How to Do the Work. Uh, subtitle, Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past, Create Yourself. It is gold. Got, uh, got through it this summer. Unreal. You want to check that out? Anyways, all right. That's all I got. Next, uh, right now, we're st- stepping into the barbecue. Have a great morning, you guys. We'll see you next week.